Welcome to episode 20 of Exploring Astrophysics, where I'm joined by Dr. Shinan Du, who is the Outreach and Engagement Manager at KIPAC in Stanford. Dr. Du spoke about her research interests, as well as how she is helping educate and inspire the younger generation about astronomy. So to start with, you give me a description of how you became interested in astrophysics and astronomy, and what led you to writing a PhD on it? Uh, there's a, a favorite story that I would like to share. Um, so when I was in high school, um, I was pretty good at uh, both physics and biology. Um, I didn't really have a preference at the very beginning. But then one day I read uh, one of Stephen Hawking's famous book, A Brief History of Time. Um, mm -hmm. But it's an illustrative version. So I was just so drowned into all those pictures and all those concepts that I didn't understand at all. So there were like Doppler shifts, there were like uh, space-time distortions, uh, there were all those, uh, you know, like concepts um, and, uh, you know, experiments Einstein conceptualized that I was like, wow, I really want to, you know, get to know more about this. So that's... Um, Initially, how I um, chose uh, to maybe go for astronomy instead of uh, biology or like neuroscience. So I um, picked um, astronomy to be my undergraduate major. Um, I went to Nanjing University in China. Um, so they had, um, well, they had and still have a top um, undergraduate astronomy program in China. So during my undergraduate studies, um, I was lucky enough to be actually able to get involved in uh, doing scientific research. So I did one um, with a faculty member at Nanjing University. I also did a summer internship, a sort of um, REU type of thing um, at UCLA. So that was uh, the summer of my junior year. Um, I was doing, well, I think the, the changing moment was really during my time at UCLA, where I essentially looked at a lot of uh, galaxy images, um, trying to compile data and plot things um, that are meaningful um, to you know, reach a specific scientific goal. And I just found myself really enjoy looking at galaxy images um, and also, finding myself very motivated um, to do research even in my personal time. So that's when I decided to pursue a PhD or at least just to you know, explore a little bit more about um, research in astronomy. So that's a sort of like um, starting from high school all the way to, to grad school. I just started with little things um, with the kind kind of idea of okay, I'll just see where that leads me to, and uh, this is where it, it has led me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've also read uh, the illustrated version of the Brief History of Time. I think it's a really great book to start with, even if some of the concepts have gone over my head. So, just yeah. going to your so just going to your um, UCLA uh, research and then your eventual PhD research. What were the sort of things you were looking at? You mentioned galaxies. So what specifically were you looking to accomplish? Right. So um, I worked with different advisors, uh, 
during, well, between my internship, summer internship there, and uh, when I actually went to grad school at UCLA. So during the summer, I was looking at uh, the brightness of different active galaxies um, in different colors. Um, so active galaxies, they typically are uh, characterized as uh, having a, you know, an active supermassive black hole at the center, um, you know, actively creating mass from the surrounding. Um, so I basically compiled that data and uh, trying to plot all those different brightness against uh, the wavelengths or colors that they are observed at and try to see if we could, um, you know, match that with some kind of models or if we could classify these active galaxies into different categories. Mm -hmm. um, so for my PhD work, um, I switched a little bit. So doing um, galaxy studies, but I was mainly looking at star forming galaxies. So um, the, the starlight or the brightness of the, the galaxies were dominated by uh, light emitted by stars instead of um, the active supermassive black hole in the center. So those galaxies um, are quite far away from the Milky Way um, because we were looking at uh, a greater distance. So they were actually, the light we're seeing right now, it actually represent how they looked um, long time ago. So we were essentially looking at galaxies that uh, were only around when the universe was uh, two to three billion years old compared to now almost 14 billion years old. Um, so those were sort of like young galaxies in their, um, teenage years, um, and I was studying the gas component, um, the interstellar medium in those galaxies, compare them with uh, the local galaxies or even younger galaxies that were at the very beginning of um, the universe, and trying to put up uh, a whole picture of how galaxy and especially gas in those galaxies evolve through cosmic time. Mm -hmm. What would you say out of your PhD and the thesis that you wrote on it, would you say that what were the sort of developments or uh, realizations that you came to in, in your work? Well, that is a very interesting question. So every time when I actually write a paper, um, I think, wow, this is like, like no one has done this before. And it is uh, a very exciting result. But if you actually put it into a perspective of the entire field, right? Um, those are all, you know, like very tiny building blocks that I'm also building this on top of, you know, prior work and other people are, you know, investigating based on what I find. Um, so one thing um, I would say uh, that was a major piece of my thesis was um, that I actually studied uh, samples of galaxies uh, that cross the redshift range from redshift two to four. So um, that corresponds to, you know, redshift two is when you're looking at um, galaxies that were like three uh, billion years old. Sorry, the when the universe was three billion years old. And uh, redshift four, that's like maybe around one and a half billion years old. Um, so I did this um, comprehensive study where um, I was trying to look at galaxies with similar properties 
so that we're essentially studying or at least trying to study uh, the same populations and see what they look like, what their physical properties are at different redshifts. So that is um, like comprehensive and also continuous image um, in terms of galaxy evolution. But mm -hmm. again, um, I put it in pretty big words, but I'm sure that uh, my coworkers probably wouldn't agree. Um, when you actually look at any single uh, piece of work, it's really specific. Um, so overall, it contributes to the big picture of galaxy evolution, but it um, for, it's also specific in terms of, okay, well, these are the colors or wavelengths ranges that I looked at, these are the galaxy properties. For example, they're, they're not active galaxies. And um, also I study it in this way, um, looking at different lines, but you may get a different answer if you use different tools or probes. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I wouldn't over overstate the significance. <laughs> So following on from, from your work as a PhD, did you continue your research into this field or did you look at other aspects of astrophysics? Um, yes, so I did continue my research um, in the same field. Um, so when I graduated from UCLA, I moved to UC Riverside to do my postdoc um, where I was also um, doing program management and outreach stuff. But in terms of research, yes, I stay in the same field. Um, I think that's where my expertise um, are really coming out to show. Um, and also, I really enjoy um, studying, you know, different aspects of galaxies by looking at their spectrum, right? Um, the dispersed light uh, at different wavelengths. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, um, I'm personally also interested in learning more about um, or even talking about astrobiology, but I myself have never done research on that topic. I've only given, you know, public talks and or taught uh, courses on that. Um, but yeah, so as an astronomer, you don't have to only have interest in your own research field. There are other other fields that I'm, you know, I'm just very excited about, but I also know I wouldn't have the bandwidth to do research myself. So you mentioned outreach. Uh, I would be very interested to hear about what, what are you doing in terms of outreach in that sense of astronomy? Because, I mean, there are a lot of people that are cut out to be researchers, but then there's also this amazing other side of astronomy and astrophysics that I don't think gets enough attention. Absolutely. So, um, I sort of consider myself as pursuing a non-conventional career path. Um, so I'm still doing research on the side, even right now, but um, I am officially the outreach and engagement manager um, at the Kavli Institute for Particle Astrophysics and Cosmology at Stanford. So my official job is a full-time outreach position and my passion for outreach actually started um, when I was in grad school. Um, I believe that was my first year of grad school. I was asked um, whether I could volunteer for uh, a classroom visit um, or classroom presentation at an elementary school, a local elementary school. They were looking for a bilingual speaker because the lesson would be delivered uh, both in English and in Mandarin. And uh -huh. not many graduate students in my department were able to do that. 
So mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, of course. Um, I still remember that the activity was um, actually introducing um, different planets um, in the solar system and their relative um, uh, position um, in the solar system. So doing a hands-on activity. What really got me uh, hooked to doing outreach more was that when I talked to um, those little kids, um, especially in Mandarin, uh, to be honest, mm -hmm. I felt that I, I had that um, interpersonal connection with them that I feel like I, as an astronomer, my work is be, being appreciated and understood. Um, that my work is meaningful, even though I don't work on solar system planets, you know, that people are excited about what I do. And that's what initially got me started. So after a year of volunteering, um, I started uh, actually leading the graduate student run outreach program at UCLA. It's called Astronomy Life. I believe it is still run by graduate students there. Um, so what I did was I worked with other graduate students uh, to coordinate uh, visiting classrooms in the local community, especially um, those sort of like uh, down thous uh, where the communities are sort of underserved. We also brought uh, Title I schools to the UCLA campus to organize a mini science fair for them. Um, and we also have a, a planetarium program uh, where we could either speak to uh, the public during the public shows or um, organize field trips um, for K through 12 groups to visit. Mm -hmm. um, so that sort of continued um, as I um, also did my, well, as I was doing my research in graduate school. Um, so moving to my postdoc, I was half time doing research um, sort of half-time managing education programs of my supervisor. Uh, so he got two um, education grants from NASA that I had to, you know, make sure that those are running as proposed and also support um, participants, including high school students and um, undergrads and graduate students in learning astronomy and also data science uh, specific uh, uh, techniques. Mm -hmm. um, and on top of that, I was also sort of leading uh, the departmental outreach program um, in UCR physics and astronomy. Um, most of them, my time at UCR was actually during the pandemic. Um, so I developed um, a lot of virtual programs uh, to engage, you know, not only the local um, community, but a worldwide audience. And I really, really enjoy doing that. I still miss that time. Um, and uh, I would say, you know, like when I was getting out of grad school, my interest in doing outreach was actually more than um, pursuing a research career. Mm -hmm. So I was already looking for outreach only jobs, but it was not very successful. Um, but now I think with another three years at UC Riverside, um, with experience both in research and in outreach. Um, yeah, now I'm finally, I feel like I am doing this dream job of mine, um, doing mm -hmm. outreach, interacting uh, with the public, K through 12 students, families, um, and not only locally, but internationally, um, and also just bringing the excitement and latest discoveries in astrophysics to everyone. So this is what I really enjoy doing. Yeah, that's amazing.
to be inspiring the younger generation because I mean it's it's really invaluable to have these sort of things taught to you so I mean for high school students that, that have an interest in astronomy right now what would you if you could give one piece of advice to them what would it be what would you tell them that's a great question um I would uh, recommend um, trying to find uh, learning opportunities, either that's, you know, like a public lecture, or that is um, any kind of like free event that you could go to that has an astronomy component, or if it's like a summer program, um, learning program that's a little bit more inten intense, um, try to find some of this kind of opportunities and see whether um, you want to study more of it um, in undergrad. Um, to be honest, though, you know, like you don't even have to do um, your work or like your graduate studies um, that's aligned with what you study in uh, undergrad. So both undergrad and even grad school for me, I think it's just like trying more things. And for high school students specifically, um, before you commit to, you know, four years of studying one subject, um, it's important to know, you know, whether the more you study it, the more you are interested in it or like motivated by it. Um, I've seen a lot of cases also, you know, like in my in my life where people didn't really know what they um, sign up for. And uh, it could be a pretty tough process um, if they later find out, OK, well, astronomy is not really for me, um, but I sort of also have to finish my degree just for the sake of, you know, getting my degree, um, that might be, um, that might not be a very ideal outcome. So just trying little things and be open-minded. Um, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, what do you think uh, when you were younger, if you had access to, or if you had known about, would maybe have kick-started your career in astronomy quicker or made you learn about the subject more when you were younger? I would say access to a telescope. Um, I didn't, I don't think I've looked through a telescope or at least I, I don't remember doing that until my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And I still enjoy, you know, looking through an eyepiece, even though that's just, you know, like a pretty small and affordable um, portable telescope, right? In the backyard. Um, yeah. Every time I think even right now, the experience is still breathtaking that I cannot believe what I see uh, in the eyepiece. Having those photons traveling, you know, um, hundreds of light years and finally hitting your, your eye or your retina, that is just uh, uh, an experience that's, that I cannot describe. Um, I feel most of my interest uh, in astronomy actually got, I, I got it from the book but it would have really helped if I also had this kind of um, hands-on experience uh, when I was little. Yeah, I think that uh, brings me to the end of my question. So thank you very much for speaking to me. Of course. I think this, this was, yeah, this was really cool. I mean, not many guests I talk about have this, have talked about this perspective of, of astronomy. And I hope that the people who are listening to this can see that they, it's not just research, research, but there's other parts of astronomy as well. Absolutely. Um, and if, if I could quickly mention, um, 
So, so um, when I said, you know, like be open-minded, um, there are also many cases actually in the field, not only in astronomy, but just in STEM in general, uh, that after graduating with a PhD, people choose to, to move out of the field or to do something different. Uh, and that's completely fine. It's not uncommon. Um, what I think what PhD really prepared me for is uh, the way a specific way of thinking and looking at things. Um, and that could be actually applied to a lot of things um, in everyday life, not only just doing research. So it's more like a mental training than skill training to me. So for, for all of you, you know, who are afraid of narrowing your options after getting a PhD, I would say um, that's not necessarily true. And even for people with PhDs in astronomy, they could become, you know, data scientists, they could become uh, teachers, um, they could still work at uh, federal agencies if they want to fund um, astronomical research, or they could become, you know, policymakers. So, or you could become science communicators, like uh, what you are doing right now, right? So there's a lot different um, paths that we could take um, and uh, many, in many ways that we could not only contribute to um, the scientific knowledge our humankind has, but also better telling stories about science um, to everyone. Mm -hmm. I think that's such great advice and a good way to end this. So thank you very much for speaking to me again. Of course. Well, thank you, uh, Vikram. Um, 